Hi, my name is Tomasz Lunin and I love English romantic poetry. My name is Daniel Ferrugia and this is the Trail Runners Experience. So, Tamis, welcome to the Trail Runners Experience. How are you, mate? I'm very excited to be on the podcast that I've been listening to for the best part of the last two years. Fantastic! <laughs> yeah, you're. Um, I know you've been a fan, and it's and we've um, we've sort of developed a relationship through the podcast, and then we've also become a, a we've developed a relationship of coach and athlete, haven't we? Yeah, indeed, we have. And that has uh, been uh, one of the most uh, enjoyable and painful experiences of my life, which is how you like it, I think. <laughs> which, which aspect of it has been enjoyable and which aspect has been painful? Well, the simple fact that uh, it's only September, October, uh, but I have uh, exceeded 3,500 kilometers this year of running. Uh, so far, I've never even got close to 2,000. Uh, and I'm feeling fresh and happy and uh, ready to do more. I think that's the that's the positive. That's the great part of it. Excellent. And um, so yeah, you. I guess I'll fill in my part also with the relationship because I want to. We're going to talk today about a, a few of the things you've done in the last twelve months, pretty much. And um, but maybe we'll go even further back in time. And I'd like to hear a bit about you know where you come from and what and and where you're running journey started i know it did not start with me um but you, i know you've had a pretty good year thankfully with me things have worked quite well except for um there was just this little um this, this little cough that's been going around <laughs> <laughs> a little virus and that sort of put a bit of a damper on a few things but we've you've soldiered through for a pretty amazing year mm. and you recently completed just uh you completed a big run but there's more to do, isn't there? You've got unfinished oh, business. I've got unfinished business there. Yeah. Yeah. That's still in my on my back, but working on it. <laughs> yeah. I know. The, so some people might not know. It's the, um, the Irrational South 200-mile run, which we're gonna, we'll dive into in a minute. But before we do, um, let's go way, 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 way back and to where Tamis started his running journey. Were you a runner at school? I've never been a runner. I've never been an athlete of uh, any, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think my journey started um, on the, after the first week I spent as a stay-at-home dad with a four-month-old baby and a two-year-old uh, child when I realized that I needed a bit of time to myself. At the time, we were living in Dubai. So I said, I can't go down to the nearest pub. So what's the next best thing to do? Because oh, uh, no, Dubai, there's no, it, 
Well, well, there is, but there isn't really a, cop, uh, a, a pop culture around it, and I didn't really yeah. have a community to go down yeah. and meet. And running just was the obvious thing to do. There was a beautiful little park around the corner, so I thought I'd just go out for a little run. And that was the first five kilometers, which was really, really painful at the age of 41. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and... Uh, and then it just escalated from there, um, partly due to my sister-in-law saying that she was run, going to run the Beirut Marathon in uh, 29, 2009. I said, ah, okay, that's a possibility that I run a half marathon. <laughs> and then it So you obviously, even though it was painful running just a few kilometers, mm. you were interested Oh yeah, I loved yeah. it. I fell in love with the idea of uh, having all this time to myself. Yeah. And I think that's why I ended up running longer and longer distances because we very rarely get to spend so much time just by ourselves. Yeah. There's a very strong meditative uh, character to it, I think. Yeah. And do you, what, we, what took you to Dubai as a family? Um, well, we... Sort of my wife and I met in Dubai, um, came to different ways. She uh, had been living in Beirut uh, and uh, she got evacuated from Beirut uh, during the uh, 2006 war. Wow. And uh, I had been living in uh, the north of Iraq as a teacher, teacher trainer. Oh, really? And my contract came to an end there, and uh, both of us ended up uh, in Dubai by accident. And then at an English teacher's conference, a mutual friend introduced us to each other. And uh, yeah, that led to a very quick engagement and marriage and uh, ah. 10 years in uh, the UAE. <laughs> well, I guess when you know, you know. Um... <laughs> I waited long enough. I always say that I, we yeah. only got married. I was 39 when we got married. So yeah, waited long enough. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, and so you, you you lived in Dubai and you were working in, in Iraq, you said. Yeah. And so imagine, like, I mean, this is not really running related, but this is part of your experience. As I mean, most people, when they think about Iraq, we think it's a war-torn place mm. for many many years and what was that experience like oh it was it was magical i was very very lucky to work for a publishing company uh, who started a an english language teaching program in the northern part of iraq in the kurdish uh, autonomous region and uh, that was the safe safe zone uh, had been a safe zone for quite a few years after the first invasion in 2003 yes. um, so it was it was sa relatively safe and uh, and it was just beautiful and I met just the most wonderful people yeah. ever and it was a very very rewarding experience and uh, I think I just made the worst mistake of any manager <laughs> but yeah. the best and worst mistake of finding a much better substitute for me than I was so I, oh, made, really? I made myself redundant there, <laughs> which, oh, wow. which is great, which was really, really good because the company got taken over by somebody who was doing an even better job. And that's how I ended up um, in Dubai eventually. Yeah. And then you, um, that's an incredible experience. I'm sure we could probably talk for an hour just oh, on yes. that topic. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but uh, maybe we'll save that for when we're 
over coffee some or when we're out on a run sometime. But um, so so moving forward into um, I'm sorry to clarify. I know some people have asked me before what, where your accent is from, and I, it's a it's a great accent. It's a good solid Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> no. In the sense that it's just everything and nothing at the same time. No, it's fantastic. So where where were you born? Uh, I was born in Eastern Germany uh, mm. many, many decades ago now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, I grew up in Hungary uh, and I left Hungary in my late 20s, early 30s. And I've lived in the UK and the Middle East before moving to Australia. Exactly two years ago, I just had the notification on my uh, timeline on Facebook that it's been two uh, years. Only two years? Yeah. Oh, wow. And you've, um, you've become very well known amongst the local running community in that time, particularly recently. <laughs> but we'll get to that. That's, um, that's amazing. And so you've, you're in Dubai. You started. And so we'll go to you back to your running story. Mm. And so you um in Dubai. And was it your sister? Or who, who was doing the Beirut Marathon? Uh, oh. My sister-in-law. In-law. Yeah. 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 She, she came to visit and she said she was planning to do this marathon. And I said, what a great idea. I should be able... That was like 10 months after I started running relatively regularly. Oh, that's a great idea. We can go visit family. Uh, I love Beirut. Uh, I always enjoyed visiting uh, Lebanon. So I thought that's a good enough excuse to... Uh, go back and uh, run a half marathon and uh, be happy. But then it turned out that there was no half marathon, so I had a choice between a 10K and a 42K <laughs> marathon. And I said, oh, 10K is what you do when you want to warm up for a proper run. So uh, I said, okay, so it's a big ask and it's a big decision, but uh, let's sign up for the marathon. And uh, it was just an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, wow. Um, what was the race like, the actual course? Beautiful. It was absolutely stunning. The atmosphere, um, 42 kilometers, and it was just a big loop, so it's not... Uh, uh, it not wasn't like an out loop. and back or, yeah. uh, or a multiple loop. It was 42 kilometer uh, um, stations with bands playing at every single kilometer amazing absolutely amazing experience and atmosphere throughout beautiful weather it was uh beginning of november so it was still really really nice nice weather and it was just uh, yeah the best marathon experience i can think of because it's small enough that you feel important enough you're not right. one of 40,000, 50,000 runners. But I see. Yeah. You're one of 600 crazy people running, running in Beirut. So I that was absolutely magical. Uh, and I think that's when I got hooked completely. Yeah, wow. It's definitely one of the more interesting um, locations to run a marathon, mm. I think. And um, yeah, especially there's a lot, I suppose, Beirut, again, is another place that's had a lot of... Um, it's got quite a history, doesn't it? Mm. And, and sadly, recent times as well. And but you know, we the good I guess about the trail runners experience where we want to focus mostly on the running and mm. the runner. And um, you've had you've come through some pretty amazing places, and then you found yourself here in Australia with your beautiful family, your two girls, Indeed. and your lovely wife. 
And um, so you've been here in South Australia for two years. Yes. And mm. so what are you doing here? <laughs> well, at the moment, I am crossing my fingers for finishing my uh, university studies uh, because although I've been a teacher for a few decades, uh, I needed to recertify in order to be able to teach in Australia, which is one of my dreams. So I thought I had another two years to invest into my lifelong dream, which is now coming true. And hopefully from January, I will be able to start teaching, which is very exciting. And in the meantime, I have been studying and looking after the kids, enjoying Australia, loving it here, and uh, exploring the trails and meeting amazing people. Yeah, and you, um, I um, have seen you probably from, I, I guess I've known about you because you're the only, I can safely say you're the only Tamas I know. <laughs> and, uh, and so I remember your name popping up, I think, on some of the local running group things, um, posts on Facebook and whatnot quite a while ago. And then I remember seeing you, I think you ran, what was your first big race here in South Australia? That's um, the first big race must have been the Five Peaks. By Trail um, Running SA, yeah. Uh, by Trail Running SA, that was the, that was the first big race. Um, before that, I did do the previous summer series, so I think we might have bumped into each other uh, during one of those races. I think, actually, it was the race where you sprained your ankle or you had an injury. Ah, uh, yes. That's when I first saw you and introduced myself to you. Very That's much. right. I was sitting with the, <laughs> I was sitting with the first aid lady yep. while she was doing a bit of first aid because I'd, I'd, I'd sprained my ankle, I had a bit of a tumble, and of course it was when I was running really well. And, you know, that's when these things happen. Yep. And, um, but yeah, you did come up to me and you were super <laughs> polite and, um, yeah, it was, it was, all, it, it helped. I wasn't actually, even though I was annoyed that I'd hurt myself, it was not, not like a career ending injury, <laughs> but it was, a, it was definitely a race ending injury. Mm. Um, you, um, yeah, that's right. I remember clearly now. So yeah, then you, um, I know you've listened to the, the, this podcast for a while and then, I think when was it that we sort of decided to drop? You decided to just go. Let's do it. Let's let's get into the coaching, and um, yeah, we'll talk about that experience and going forward from there. Um, well, it was it was last August when um, this crazy man uh, Sean Kessler came up with the idea of the <laughs> irrational South. And I'm turning 50 next year, so I thought I really needed to do something really crazy. So I signed up for the 200 miler um, in August last year. And uh, <clears throat> I had been sort of uh, gearing toward the end of uh, the, high, uh, the uh, SA 550s series. And, uh, and I realized that I'm comfortable running 50 kilometers. I, I was looking forward to running the 100Ks uh, on the Heisen Trail last year, but I felt that I, my preparation by myself wasn't enough. Yeah, what, and, what do you think was lacking in your preparation? Because, oh, I mean, if you can run multiple 50K races, you've obviously got a decent amount of strength and endurance. I've got the 
endurance or the stubbornness, as my wife likes to call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got the endurance, but I don't have the discipline and I don't have the regular consistency that is needed. And, uh, and I like, I like, uh, it's a personality flaw or it's a personality characteristic that uh that i like to meet expectations and if i'm taught to do something i am much more likely to do it than if i just set it out for myself as a plan so and, uh, you value other people's expectations mm -hmm. higher than your own in that regard yes i'm i'm afraid i do yes okay <laughs> Look, no, uh, not a judgment not a judgment <laughs> it, it took me a while to 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 realize that and to accept that um but since i have it's been much much easier much yeah better. and um so like how does someone else someone else's expectations how does that help you it's a very good question um it it gives me that confidence that I can do it because uh, because I think I always expect myself to do better than I do. But if somebody sets my goals for myself and it uh, pays that much more uh, realistically than I do, then uh, but the, the simple fact that this was the first year that I've not had any injuries at all, despite the fact that I've run so much, mm. is because I didn't have that constant urge to push myself harder than necessary. And uh, I, I, I managed to maintain the consistency, uh, apart from a few <laughs> sort of downhills during, the, during my university work uh, occasionally. Yeah. But, uh, but that uh, took precedence. That had to take precedence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. La, la, uh, mm. And that's something that I really appreciated throughout the journey, is this, this understanding that uh, life happens and we had to adjust to what whatever life brings but uh, there was that constant knowledge of what i need to do next in order to be where i am and uh, get where i want to get yeah that's really good no that's fantastic no it's um i think it's interesting because i think a lot of people do the same thing i know i've done it. i set i set the bar too high for myself mm. sometimes and we all i think we all do and there's i think deep down a lot of us like to think we're a little bit invincible, you mm -hmm. know, and um, but we're not. And so, even as a coach for myself, when I'm because I'm, I'm I'm more or less self coached when I'm, and if I don't set the plan properly for myself, I will go too far and mm -hmm. hurt myself. And so, I do have to actually sit down in front of the computer and set the plan, and which is what I do for all my other athletes, including you. And um, I really I, I see the value in it because when I don't set the plan for myself. That's when bad things happen. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. So let's get in, talk a bit more about your races. So you did the Heisen 105 last year. Yeah. Again, I remember seeing you. You did quite well in that. And um, we, you got through it with a big smile on your face. <laughs> because that's that's you. You're always smiling in your races. Even I think probably even if you feel like crap, you, you choose to smile, don't you? Uh, absolutely. It is it is my absolute happy zone. Uh, it's the people, the experience, this, this, this. It's really difficult to ex explain and describe what, what it is like. Well, even when I'm in pain, even when I'm tired, I just feel this, this joy of, of being out there and being able to do this that I just, I just love. I, I, 
I love every minute of it, even when I'm swearing and crying and <laughs> cursing, as I'm sure everybody else does. Um, it is an amazing experience to be to be able to do this thing. Um, and uh, I never really understood athletes and what it means to, you know, have this fulfillment and uh, and sense of achievement and. Uh, experiencing it this uh, relatively late in my life, I, I really, really appreciate it. And, and it gave me a completely new start back then uh, yeah. when I started running and ever since. And, and it just gives you new challenges and new ideas and, and the amazing people you meet along the way. It just makes it. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I lasted seven years in Dubai. Uh, on our last stint, and I am absolutely convinced that the fantastic people I met there, uh, a, a, an amazing group of people who would get up at two o'clock in the morning to drive an hour just so that they can run when it's uh, a balmy 35, 40 degrees <laughs> in the morning, uh, yeah. instead of the 45, 48 degrees during the day. And yeah. you would not believe uh, the, the these people, the, the Dubai train run, trail runners, the desert trail runners. Yeah. It's just an absolutely fantastic bunch of people. Yeah, I bet. I'm going actually going back to Dubai. You did do some ultra marathons over there, didn't you? I did a few, yes. Uh, nothing as long as uh, what I've been doing here, but or or as many. But uh, yes, uh, there what? are a few. The the big stinker is definitely one that uh, the big stinker. It's yes, it's a beautiful yeah. four, fifteen kilometer loop that you do three times. Yeah. Uh, in, is it in the in the sand in the desert? Uh, it's uh, it's more rocky, a uh, little bit, a tiny bit of sand in it, but it's mostly rocks and uh, nice altitudes. And uh, the one time I actually ran the whole distance, uh, it started with uh, the biggest, uh, massivest uh, storm I've ever seen in my life. It washed away the start line. We had to move the start line just half an hour before the race. Wow. Uh, you had uh, uh, one of my most vivid memories is uh, going across a ravine that had corpses of dead animals being washed away oh <laughs> because of the, the downpour that uh, that we had that day and uh, so it doesn't rain the, very often i imagine no it was yeah. it was a fairly rare occurrence but <laughs> oh god it was it was fascinating yeah and then we had a couple of uh, uh, my longest run for a long time was a 60 kilometer uh, run which was a cruel cruel uh, desert run where I I will never forget that thirty kilometers about thirty kilometers I sat down in front of this border wall that yeah. I had no idea and I a little pink dot in the middle of the wall showed that I was at the right place and that's the direction I needed to go. Yeah, I sat down and had a nice little cry and then oh. I climbed it and really? then I finished it. But that wow. was that was crazy. So a wall like you actually literally had to climb. It, you, uh, well, pretty much. It was big borders that yeah. you had to navigate. But it was fascinating. The landscape yeah. would have just sounds out oh, of control. It's it's it is not something you would think of walking, 
let alone running or spending 15 hours. Um, yeah. Would you say that you were out of your comfort zone doing a race like that or at that time? Oh, yeah, constantly. Yeah, well outside. Constantly. It, yeah. uh, no, no matter. It was just uh, that feeling of every single week we did variations of uh, of the same course but that it was always a different challenge doing the same training runs yeah um with the desert trail runners and it was always a different challenge and it was always a, that sense of achievement by the time we got back to the cars and then doing the races there was this Two amazing, absolutely fantastic women who organized these uh, races in uh, in Dubai, um, the Urban Ultra tra- uh, team. It's just, they put together these races where hundreds of people showed up in the middle of the desert, <laughs> in the heat, and... Uh, and that community that built up around them and uh, and the races it was just just fantastic and and perhaps the biggest achievement there to date was the uh, HR fifty yeah I that's that's another goat on my back that I have they have a hundred kilometer version of that race which is probably uh, something that I have to one day? Get, get off my back at some stage because the fifty k was an amazing challenge. I've done it twice. The second time I thought it would be easier. It was not. <laughs> no, they're, things, no, was, they're not fun. necessarily easier the second time or the third. No. Because <laughs> if you're fitter, what's going to happen? You're going to go a little faster <laughs> and it hurts just as much. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, no, look, you, um, and the way I think about 50Ks, I think of it, it's like, a, it's like if, a, if you do a maths test, or any kind of test or exam, you um, fifty is like only only just a pass mark. So I want a hundred. <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. So um, no, that's that's too funny. Um, so let's jump in again. We're back in South Australia, and you're um, that. I think that experience in Dubai in some of those desert runs probably have gone a long way to toughen you up. Because I think you're a tough runner. From what I've seen as, a, as your coach, you know, you pretty much any any workout that I would set you, you'll have a go at it. And you you seem to surprise yourself quite a lot. And um, the, the first few months of 2020, I know we really were working through, you were training in the heat a lot. And you were putting through these really consistent blocks of training mm. month after month. And you seemed, you were getting fitter and faster and stronger and preparing for the um, irrational south. And I would go so far as to say you were ready for it, like really ready for it. This 200-mile race mm. along the Lavender Trail, Lavender Federation Trail, and it was supposed to be when? In June? In June, yeah, beginning of June, yeah. 6th of June. You were, you were very fit at that point, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real fit. But um, So, yeah, tell us about that experience, Getting get, going through all that training and then having the race, the, the rug pulled out from beneath you, you know? So yeah, this this year um, it's it, it's a bit of a blur. There's just so many things happening and not happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, yes. So I I decided quite early on that uh, unlike uh, previous years, I'm not going to sign up for too many races. That worked out quite well. 
Uh, I thought I would concentrate on this one race uh, that I really wanted to do well, and uh, well, it was a massive challenge, and I and I wanted to put all my effort into it and uh, yeah. concentrated on it almost exclusively. And uh, and then along the way, uh, all the races that got cancelled didn't have much impact on me because I hadn't signed up for them. I did have uh, a concert ticket that oh. also got pulled out from under me, which was devastating. Probably the most heart- <laughs> heartbreaking thing in 2020. <laughs> no, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't joke about no, the pandemic. Absolutely, but absolutely yeah. not. But, well, uh, tell everyone what the concert was for. So... Yeah, so what what happened, uh, my absolute all-time favourite band, uh, Iron Maiden, was supposed to come to um, Adelaide uh, at the beginning of May, which was pretty much within a week from my birthday, when I usually run my birthday anyway. You love Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I thought, oh, it's my birthday weekend, and the Iron Maiden concert got, can- got cancelled, so I have to do something... Uh, spectacular so I decided to run every a little bit of a backyard ultra uh, style in the sense that I decided to run every Iron Maiden concert album uh, so you wanted to hang on, you wanted to listen to every live album yeah. that Iron Maiden have ever done yeah while and run for the entire time yeah yeah so that's Crazy. So, <laughs> just how many albums, how many live albums did that was, Iron Maiden have? That was 16 albums. 16 <laughs> albums? So, that was 16, uh, approximately 16 hours altogether. <laughs> uh, I started at 8 o'clock on, yeah, because the con- concert was supposed to start at 8 o'clock, so I started at 8 o'clock. Mm. Uh, oh yes, and uh, that was the Wings for Life weekend as well. So my first hour was the Wings for Life World Run, uh, oh, okay. which is another very exciting concept that uh, anybody who is interested should check out because I think it's one of the most interesting uh, race concepts uh, yeah. as well. Um, it's a it's a beautiful initiative as well. So Wings right. for Life, first weekend of uh, May. Everybody check it out. All right, we have to do some more research <laughs> now. I've, I've got a follow up question about that, but go on about Iron Maiden. Yeah, the, the, so, the, the, this run, and then I started with uh, with the first concert album uh, from back in 1982. And uh, progress slowly. So I ran oh. as long as the album lasted, and then whatever time was left until the next full hour was my rest time. So that's oh. how I how I worked it out. So some albums were sixty minutes long. Uh, some albums were seventy, eighty, ninety minutes long. So depending on how long the albums were, that's how long I ran. And then I always started on the following. Full hour. Oh, so sometimes you got almost a full hour break. Uh, I had, yeah, a couple yeah. of those, but not many. Oh, that's good, but that still adds up to a lot of running. Um, you, it How was, many kilometers did you do in that time? It did end up being about 140 kilometers in the end. Huge. So that, huge. that was a really, really good, really good day <laughs> yeah, of I, running. I am. Um, was well impressed. And I do remember that week. That was the week of your 49th birthday. Indeed. And so, like many people, you decided a few days before running for 18 hours straight 
you decided to do run your birthday in years. Yeah, it just felt wrong because uh, for the last seven years, <laughs> for the last seven years, I ran my age every single year, yeah. and uh, I, I got up uh, on the day of my uh, on the day before my birthday, and I said. So I'm now going to wait five more days until I run my birthday run, and it just didn't feel right. Yeah. So I, so I just went out and <laughs> ran my age. Just a lazy 49 <laughs> kilometers, a few days. So that was a big week. A, a few was, days before your that thing. So how many? You, that that was my biggest week uh, was it ever. A, probably was, over a 200 k week. That was an over over 200 kilometer week. That was beautiful. Huge. <laughs> and so yeah, that's the kind of shape you were definitely in, and. You know, I was, even though it's not as a coach, I wouldn't normally condone that as good preparation for a, uh, for a big event. At the time, we were, we were in limbo already. And I, we're sort of in this world of, you know, this is a challenge the man wants to do. This is a challenge the man can do. And so, um, you, yeah, you went ahead and did it and you did them both fine. <laughs> I, I had a fantastic time on both of those. I really, really enjoyed it, and uh, mm. and yes, by by then we knew, I think, that the race would be cancelled or postponed. So that was May, did you say? Yeah. So you were, I mean, ideally, you were in tip-top shape for that two hundred mile yeah. and that would have been a great lead-in, maybe a month before. But unfortunately, things didn't go the way we wanted them to. And then, so what happened in that period, and as a coach, it's something I've, I've had to really struggle with, is knowing what to do with people when their race gets pulled, you know, and keeping people motivated, keeping people inspired, you know, because they're, I mean, I, I value inspiration over motivation and because you lose the routine. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's been the biggest struggle for me as a coach is some people losing their routines in life whether they've lost work or they've lost, you know, they've had to stay home and take care of their children more and or something like that. And um, But what do we do? What do we do um, in that period? Do we have a downtime? Or, uh, you know, or you, I think you went back and studied your uni a bit, didn't you? Yes, it yeah. was. It, it, that, that was another part of my, of my year, really, <clears throat> that sort of wreaked havoc because university was uh, sort of big fluxes of fairly intensive uh, university work instead of a steady stream of constant work. Yeah. Which, uh, which is not such a bad thing, but it, it made things a little bit more difficult. It made, made things a little bit more complicated to yeah. uh, sort of juggle with, uh, uh, with the running. Um, but it, it was also a good... I always look at running as a good escape uh, yeah. from uh, from everyday commitments and uh, and uh, things that need to be done and uh, and it was it was also a good motivation that if I wanted to get out for my run, which was my happy zone, then I had to have my university work done uh, beforehand. So yeah, it it's uh, it's definitely a, a tricky thing to balance but yeah no you um yeah it's tricky so then i guess at that point we've moved forward and i'm just sort of going a bit a little bit chronologically then we we found out the new or the date got pushed back for the race 
And then it got, and then it got yes. erased. Yeah. Yes. So it got pushed back to, uh, the October? 6th of October. Yeah. 7, 6, 6th of October. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then that didn't eventuate either. Sean, I believe, had to cancel it entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which is disappointing. I mean, officially cancelled. And it was supposed to be the first 200 miler on South Australian soil. Yeah. Um, and so then the alternative popped up. Yes, indeed. So Sean just left it open to all of us and said, well, we can't have an official race anymore. Yeah. Uh, but whoever decides to be crazy enough to give this a go because they put all this effort into organizing and uh, training, um, he would try to find a way to support us. Uh, and uh, four of us decided that, okay then, well, it was a bit more uh, than four, but we ended up, four of us ended up uh, actually running it on the actual day that it was supposed to start. Yeah. Um and so you went, and what do they call it when, when you do it unofficially at a race? It's called... It is a fat ass. <laughs> uh, it's, it's called it's, a fat ass. I don't know where that term it, came from. It, it sounds very American be, to me. It could not be more American, yes. Yeah. I, I looked it up. It's an American expression. So, and that's where you just basically take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so then, yeah. So, well, let's... I think a lot of people are really interested to hear that ex- about that massive experience. Now, got your lead up. I know you had a a ton of university work to complete in the in the month or so leading up, didn't you? Yeah. Not ideal. No. Yeah. No, that was a tough month. It was uh, my absolutely amazing experience at West Lakeshore Primary, where I did my uh, placement for six weeks. But that was six weeks of. 12-hour days of uh, yeah. preparation and teaching and correction and uh, all the things that a teacher does. And, any, uh, and, and anyone who doesn't, who's not a teacher or who doesn't know what teachers go through, teachers work hard at the best of times for pretty crappy money, but the people who work for less money are people who are, study, who are doing their internships like Thomas was. Yeah, mm. isn't that right? So you, you, you don't get paid. So you're no. working your butt off. And that's the thing that I hate. And so, <laughs> you know, anyway, that's my little gripe. So, yeah, you're working your ass off for, for no money. And, you know, like, and then somewhere you had to try and squeeze in some training mm. every now and again. And you had a coach going, maybe try training this week, <laughs> maybe this week or next I, week. I, I don't think I left, let so many uh, training runs lapse as, as during that one. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a morning person. I yeah. love doing my runs in the morning. But uh, during these six weeks, I got up at uh, three o'clock in the morning to prepare for my classes instead of getting up at four o'clock to go out for my runs. So my runs, as well as my poor family, took the biggest hit during these uh, six weeks. Yeah. But it, it, was, it was a great experience. And, uh, and in a way, I didn't push myself too hard, I suppose, in, uh, in terms of training, which gave me that, that buffer. Because I, I always say this, that um, I... I don't think you can train for a 200-mile race uh, or a 200-mile run or anything of that distance 
it's my whole life, the previous 49 years, with all its experiences of doing and not doing things, uh, has been a preparation for, for this race and so for this run. And that's what I wanted to see, what, what my previous 49 years have uh, made me capable of. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> good way to frame it. Because I, I think um, if you look at traditional training for marathons and ultras, you know, you, you would run... A, you know, a certain um, number. It's it's an unknown t- quantity. These two hundred mm. miles because there's not enough have been run for the for to develop a proper kind of science behind it. At, at the moment, I feel like it's still a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot of science behind running, but behind the distance, you know, it's like knowing you can't go and run eighty percent of the distance in training mm. because that's that's huge. That's two days you know, of running. Which is what yeah. you would, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, but some people do. And mm. but my objective for you was just to get you as fit as possible, and to and um, and I think throughout twenty twenty we achieved that on more than one occasion. But would you say you were how close to your peak fitness were you leading into this race, this fat ass? I think my fitness was. It was pretty solid. It was good. It yeah. was, uh, uh, I think where I, I... I don't like to call it a failure because I don't, don't feel that I failed. But the reason why my, my race fell apart uh, after the first day yeah. uh, was, my, was the time I didn't have to invest into planning it and, uh, the, logistics. and, and the logistics. Yeah. Yeah. I failed with the logistics tremendously. <laughs> there are no failures, <laughs> only lessons. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah. True that. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you, you anyway, you, let's say, regardless of your preparation, you had 49 years of preparation, mm. which gave you a strong mind, strong, positive mind. And I knew no matter what happened that you were going to carry that. And it became really evident because um, so you arrive in Murray Bridge, which is the start point. You met up with your the, the three other legends, yeah. and um, so yeah, let's go through a little bit of a chronological, like start from from the night before. Okay, so well, just just to show how absolutely tied my my organization was i submitted my last assignment at eight o'clock on the morning that we were heading off to murray bridge so eight o'clock in the morning i worked i worked through the night to finish that assignment and i submitted it at eight o'clock on the tuesday morning and then i had to i did prepare some of my food most of my food the previous night and started packing up, but because it's been such a beautiful um, few weeks and months of no rain and uh, absolutely beautiful weather, uh, even on the day on Tuesday when we were heading out, it was sunny and bright and happy. I decided yeah. that I didn't need too much in terms of preparation for overnight. I just sleep where I sleep. I pick up my um, uh, drop bag along the way, uh, somewhere where I leave it, because uh, there's nothing to worry about. <coughs> and uh, we arrived in Murray Bridge, where I met uh, Michelle and... Um, Michelle Hamlin? Yeah. yeah. 
very well known within the South Australian running community? Nah, nobody knows Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle is the heart and soul of our community. I think it's uh, she's she's just a legend. Uh, yeah, and um, and the three other absolutely amazing amazing athletes that I that I met there Tim Boss um, Sarah and Tash um, they were just beautiful beautiful human beings um, we were having a nice chat and a nice little laugh my children were entertaining us yeah. uh, the previous night and everything looked like a little party where everybody was making silly jokes about uh Oh, we are back to run 200 miles. <laughs> it always would feel surreal. It, it was, yes, it was really party atmosphere, good chat, good, good atmosphere. Everybody was really excited and happy. And then uh, we woke up the following morning and uh, it started pouring and it was raining. Mm. It was raining and it was raining. Yeah, and, and it was cold. And it wasn't warm, <laughs> and it was raining. <laughs> Winter made a made a return, and uh, yeah, so that was annoying. I was watching the weather um, very closely, and I was feeling a sense of I was trying to do a like some kind of use my mind power to move the clouds. It didn't work. Though. No, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, and so yeah, and so you guys took off at what time? Seven. In we the morning? started at seven o'clock in the morning when the official race was supposed to start. So we we pretty much followed everything uh, as as if um, we were doing the race um, as we planned originally. So we started at seven o'clock. Michelle did drink um, cider from a running shoe. Which was a bit disturbing. Well, then, Cider from the oh, the, the shoe. <laughs> the shoe. Is yeah. that what Sean does? Yes, that's the thing Sean does. So Michelle had to do it. <laughs> she took off her shoes and very bravely uh, drank cider at seven in, uh, in the morning from her shoes, uh, which was a good enough in inspiration for the four of us to head out as far away from her as possible. <laughs> and uh, and then. I, the weather for the first couple of hours was tolerable, so it was it was a bit drizzly, but it wasn't too bad. Uh, I I started with a bit of a um, backpack mis uh, mishap, so I had to drop back a little bit. So uh, and the others showed up, and uh, and I I could never catch up with them ever after that. Um, I took about 10-15 minutes to sort out my gear and uh, and then I uh, I was lagging behind them right from the start which was uh, a bit disheartening but it is what uh, I should have been better um, organized with my backpack. I tried to carry too much stuff as well so my backpack if you look at some of the pictures you will see that it's just enormous. It, it was, was it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot to carry. You were aiming to be very self-sufficient. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that and I know we had that discussion. Um but that was just the yeah, that was sort of what you wanted to mm. do and I think yeah, conditions were definitely a big factor. For you. Mm. But yeah. So yeah, so you would, then the rain just kept going all day, didn't it? Yeah, the rain just went on and on and on. For uh, I I did fifteen hours that day, and uh, 
for 13 solid hours of those 15, it was constantly raining. So every, and it was cold. Uh, yeah. I was getting drenched and I, I was getting a bit frustrated. <clears throat> and then uh, when we got to Tronquillo at uh, about nine o'clock in the evening, instead of the original seven when I planned to go there, uh, where I left my uh, uh, job bag, literally dropped by the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, that was a suitcase. And there's a story behind a, the suitcase, isn't it? was isn't a it? suitcase. Poor, poor grandma. <laughs> why, why is your suitcase called grandma? Oh, it's just a silly reference to, you know, dead bodies left, being left in suitcases by the side of the road. It was a oh, very morbid that's dark. joke that I started out. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and then, yes, it was just, uh, and then looking for grandma in the dark, in the rain, uh, it wasn't as pleasant as when I left her the previous day by the side of the road. And, and you couldn't all, find it. And we couldn't find her because we didn't know, it. when I left it, it was sunny and bright and it wasn't raining. Yeah. Uh, and it was during the day, so at night in the rain, Ugh. I couldn't find it. Uh, and then... Uh, um, Michelle spent another hour trying to look for it, but then we didn't didn't find it. And by that time, I realized that I had uh, covered seventy five kilometers or so of the hundred and ten that I was planning for the day, which was which was still okay. But because I couldn't find my drop bag, because I just realized that the weather was going to be just as horrendous the following day, I had nothing to change into. I didn't have my uh, evening gear and I had yeah. not made any provisions for rest and sleep um, during the night. It becomes um, a safety issue then, a real safety issue. I decided that the safest, best idea was to yeah. uh, suspend the race and um, re restart when I was I was ready to do it. And I guess, I mean... I'll, Obviously, you were disappointed, but I guess the blessing is that essentially it was just a big training run. Mm. So because it wasn't official, and um, so what did you do? I remember I spoke to you that next morning. Yeah, you you had come back to Adelaide. I came back to Adelaide. My poor wife, for the second time in her life, had to drive across the night of across the hills to rescue me. The yeah. first one, uh, first story, wasn't as glamorous as this one. I am not going to talk about that. <laughs> Fair enough. She might. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, she she came and rescued me at midnight, uh, drove me home. And, um, and I felt, and that was the frustrating part of it, that I felt okay. So I had been out uh, for 15 hours by then and uh, I was feeling okay. And I knew that if I had done the proper preparation that this race deserves and any such distance deserves then uh, I would have had no problem uh, with uh, going on yeah. despite the weather, despite everything but that that was a big massive lesson and uh, at the same time I felt really really happy about how well I felt because uh, for me, that was that was the most important. That yeah. I had a shower, I had a had a few hours sleep because you can't really sleep 
because you're still too excited and you're processing so much that your brain is just ticking, ticking, ticking. Yeah. But I got up fairly refreshed, fairly happy uh, the following day, and uh, and I knew that uh, that I would have to go back. It was never really a question that I wouldn't go back. I think yeah. I, I, I knew that I wanted to go back and I wanted to finish. Because all the while, these other three legends are still charging. Oh, through. yes. Yeah, they're still going. Oh, yes. And I mean, I'm not, it's not to take away anything from what you've done, but I mean, that was very impressive. Um, so, yeah, Sarah, was it? Yeah. Yeah, Sarah, Tim, and Tash just yep. kept battling through. And, um, but I mean, truth be told, it was a lot, their logistics, they had prepared the logistics more so, hadn't they? And so, yeah. and I mean, yeah, so, yeah, so next, so the next thing is you went back out and you just jumped back in where? Yes, yeah, so, so you left um, out a section of the course. I, I, I left at Trunkillo uh, and I uh, rejoined the group on Friday in Oidunda. Udanda? Udanda, that's yeah. it, Udanda. So I missed about 110 kilometers yeah. of the of the course. So basically a third. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty frightening when you think of it like that. Oh, absolutely. It's only a third of the race. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, yeah, and then you, you jumped back in on the Friday, didn't you? Yeah. And on Friday at 10 o'clock I started from yeah. um, Udanda and... Uh, then through the day, through the night, and got to Claire at almost exactly eight o'clock the following day. Amazing. And how far was that then? That, last that was section? 114, 115 kilometers. Huge. Yeah. Uh, it was, but well, it was joy. Uh, I literally, I, I really, really, really think that it was just. Apart from times where I lost my way, which was really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's that instant joy again when you find your way. Yeah. You know, it's like frustration and then you find the course again and you're like, yes, well, I'm back. <laughs> I, I might still be circling around uh, in one place if uh, one of Tim's friends, Riley, didn't come and point me in the right direction. Yeah. And then he made sure that I was going in the right direction, which I wasn't. So yeah. he pointed me again in the right direction. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so there, there were points where I was like, where am I going? So it's such good camaraderie there too, which oh, is yes. great. Um, and obviously the weather was... Much different, wasn't it? It was beautiful weather. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, for some people, it was actually a bit too warm. Uh, I absolutely you. loved it. Coming from spending all that time in Dubai, you can basically live in the oven. Probably that, <laughs> and probably that heat training did kick in because yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed the temperature all through the day. And it was so also very, very nice to have my family following me. And I caught up with them. Uh, once during the day, quite unexpectedly, out of the blue, they they showed up with some uh, chocolate muffins and uh, <laughs> uh, donuts, and it was just just the best. That was really really good. And uh, your two girls, how old are they again? Uh, Sophie is turning eleven. Oh my god, eleven next <laughs> month, and uh, Jasmine is turning nine next week. Oh wow! And so this what? Week. Are, what? Are, yeah, you better get go and buy that present <laughs> this week. Um, we, um, what did they think of their dad doing this? 
It was very, very interesting. Um, Jasmine looked at me in the morning uh, when I when I suspended my run, mm-hmm. and she said, "Oh, I wish you finished it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wish you finished it." But it was because she knew how much I wanted to finish yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and they were also very relieved because one of their most scarring memory uh, of my running was when they saw me broken down after a marathon in tears, uh, yeah. in pain. And when they saw me after this run and they saw me happy and uh, really bouncy and, uh, and, and just yeah. loving it, that was a big relief for them. And I think, and I like to use my running as a little bit of a, educational metaphor and uh, parenting metaphor and uh, I think for them to see the resilience to see the effort that goes into preparation that goes into actually doing these races and and how I coped with the uh, so-called failure of not completing the race I think it was a a good learning uh, experience for them yeah that's fantastic no look it's inspiring for me, and I was, um, I was really proud. I think the proudest thing for me is that you, you got back out there. Mm. I, I would, I don't think I would have been able to get back out there. I think I would have been too broken, and um, I mean physically and mentally. But you, you got up. You're like um, Rocky Balboa. <laughs> you got knocked down, and you kept going. And you, I mean, even though you didn't do the course in its entirety, you, um, you got back, you got I back lo- out there. I love what Karen, uh, Karen Bentley said on one of my Facebook posts. She said, oh, this is what happens on every long, long run. Just take it for what it is. It's a good uh, long run. And it's a good uh, recce for, uh, for the actual run next year. So, so that was my I thing. That, that gave me a, a big push when, when I had yeah. that amazing outpouring of support because a lot of people, I think, realize that what I was trying to do was crazy, and uh, by the time I finished uh, the race uh, I th- or, or the FedEx, uh, I think I had the best crew uh, already assembled on the sport, yeah. which is, you which made is friends? so <laughs> exciting. It is because, uh, yeah, I, I, it's just it's just meeting meeting people and getting to know people, and uh, and it was just beautiful. Yeah, that's the that's the best thing about mm. the running community. It's, Absolutely, it's not just the running; it's the it's the community. It's it's yeah. And what's your um? So twenty twenty one. Are we? Are they going to see you on the start line of the official? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've got Excellent. to. I've got to get this yeah. off my back. <laughs> yeah. And um, well, you've earned yourself. There's expectation now because you know you're. You're Tamas, the crazy guy, and the happy guy. That I think you brought a lot of joy to a lot of people, and you do anyway. And so I think that you've got an entire running community behind you now, man, including me. I'm there, and you, you're going to. I think you're going to get out there and and get it done. June 2021. Yep, it's going it, to be an exciting month. Yeah, uh, preparation has started. I suppose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never stop. And my last question is, what would be your um, best piece of advice for anyone who's considering doing this race or something of this magnitude? As, as someone who hasn't actually done it, I think, 
I think I really think that uh, you have to put in as many hours as the length of your run. I I, I think in preparation, in just the logistics and the planning and what and getting to know the uh, the course because um, being able to 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 rely on uh, on on consistent support uh, is is what I think was a big big help for uh, for for people who who could complete it and if uh, and yeah I think if I put perhaps a uh, hundred hours or two hundred hours in preparing for this uh, for the logistics. And putting together an awesome crew, um, and making sure that I knew what I was doing and how I would cope uh, with the unexpected situations, then uh, it it would have been a, an an even more uh, successful experience. Um, I think that that that's it. That yeah. re- realizing that you are never really alone and if you ask for help there are people who just want to help but you have to learn to ask for it because you, you can't, just, to me. You, yeah, you can't just expect that it would come from somewhere and it would be all okay and you can't go into a race and that was the other thing that you can't go into a race uh, and expecting everything to work out because if everything had worked out the way I planned it I would have been okay but you have to go out there thinking that things will go wrong and being prepared for for things to go wrong. And I didn't have the space in time and in my mind to allow for anything to go wrong because I think I wouldn't have started it. Yeah, that's really good advice. And training? Oh, just train, just run a lot. Run a lot, uh, be <laughs> consistent, build it up and... Uh, and uh, Try to find the time, and uh, and 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 not taking it too seriously. Not not being motivated by the race or being uh, disappointed by the race not being done, but seeing it as uh, as something that you can achieve. And if if you start running now and just start running as far as you can, a bit of a um, Forrest Gumpy style. That 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 is. That is the joy of it all, and that's why it's worth doing it. If you are a fat ass like me, <laughs> that's all you want, all you ever want to do. See, finding that happy place, even when it's a when it's a two hundred mile, seventy, eighty hour <laughs> happy place. <laughs> Incredible, mate, Tamis, my friend. It's amazing to hear your story from start to finish like that, and um, yeah, I hope that I'm sure it's helped everyone. We'll see you at the start line of 2021. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation, as like, always. Likewise, yeah, we have good chats. We should record all our chats. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you later, mate. Bye. <laughs>